skills. Do you hear that? Talk Recorded live. All right. Well, there we are. So everybody's kind of hooked up here. We'll see if there'll be anybody else that'll be clicking in. I don't know what Rich is maybe doing, but um, uh, I know that uh, the last time I had talked with uh, Matthew and Brother Bill, uh, they're in transition again. Brother Bill's got a house uh, just uh, that he's got to get himself moved over into and stuff. So I'm sure they're busy burning it. He sent me a text here a few days ago and said, haven't forgot about you. He just uh, just working it, and he's had uh, he gets winded and fueled out by the end of the day too because of the accident that he'd had years ago and stuff. So we just keep putting everybody in prayer. So I think right now we'll go ahead and do that. Heavenly Father, I do want to thank you for the opportunity that we have here in technology, Lord. And we know that we repeat it to you, but we just want to know, want you to know how thankful we are. Uh, at the industry of your people in devising devices to keep us connected. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you'll guide our thoughts and our words tonight to be trained and honed in on you and what you desire of us. We pray, Father, for our brothers and sisters in Christ who need your prayer, need your healing upon them. And so we put those people to you up tonight in prayer as well to ask for your blessed hand of healing and protection upon each and every one of them. Lord, you know where they are and what they need, and you know what is uh, is plaguing them, and Lord, you know uh, what it is that will reverse that for them. Father, we know that we've put Brother James in prayer before you, and we pray for Betty and continued health for her and continued strength in the in her health and the things that have been plaguing her. And, Father, we know that there's a bug that's descended down there in West Texas and and has got everybody breathing heavily and, and uh, looking at each other cross-eyed, I guess. So, Father, we, we need your help in a lot of different fronts. And we know that your word is true and we know that you, you want us to have our diseases and our infirmities taken away. And so, Father, we pray that in our unrighteousness that you would forgive those sins and continue to know our needs and provide us those blessed reliefs that we need. And we pray that you continue to guide us to be true to you. And we thank you for the sacrifice your son has made in our behalf. So, Father, those are our prayers tonight. Pray for our brothers and sisters who are not here and, and those that are yours, that are called your, by your name all over the earth. And, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity and pray that we will be able to edify one another and strengthen each other in the spirit of Christ. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um. I know I was supposed to look into this, you guys, and for some reason I cannot for the life of me figure out where it's at, but I do believe that star six is mute, and I thought star eight was um, raise your hand, and um, so 
I didn't get a chance to, or at least I guess I probably, more accurately, I forgot, to uh, take an opportunity to uh, learn those commands. So um, if you feel like you're going to have some background noise or anything and you want to try star six and see if that mutes you out, and uh, if not, try uh, star uh, seven, and then I don't know which one is the. I, I can mute everybody on my end, but I don't. I don't like to do that because then if you want to say something, you're. It's like you're talking and you can't. You can't get through. So I would rather you do that. And of course, your cell phones generally have a mute button that you can click or a microphone off button. Um, if you have a, a smartphone that's got a microphone off button, then. Even the flip phones and the older phones have a button on there that usually is right by the keypad that allows you to, to mute your line and stuff. So if you want to do that, you can. So as far as anything else... Um, can you build me, uh, Doug? Yes, I can hear you. Was that Texas? It's Russell. Can you build my star eight? I'm raising my hand. Um, no, I don't see anything. So you did star eight, and that didn't do anything, did it? No. Okay. Um, I. Uh, how easy is it to use your phone right now? Easy enough? Go ahead and hit star nine. Nothing? Yeah, nothing on my end either. I huh. wonder which one that was. I... I I remember coming across them, but for some reason I can't locate where they're at again. And uh, right now I'm on the on the hosting page, and so I'm kind of reluctant to to click off of it right now. But anyhow, uh, does anybody have anything uh, on their mind that they want to talk about, or anything particular that? What's that, Russell? That's why I'm trying to raise my hand. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, well, um, right now you just have to butt in. Do it the old-fashioned oh. way. <laughs> Shoot, let's hear it. Let's hear it. All right. Did you know you've heard the phrase, uh, they drink the Kool-Aid? Yeah. What do you think of specifically? They bought in. They bought into it, right? Right. And this thought came to me: We're all going to drink the Kool-Aid. It's just some of us are going to have faith in different uh, chefs or cooks that stirred it up. Uh, I mean, it matters who makes the Kool-Aid. Is what I'm saying. Uh, it's kind of like the term brainwashed. Wow. What does that mean? When you think of it, you think you're being manipulated by somebody and they've altered your ability to, to use logic. But in another way, when you wash your brain with the Word of God, that's a healthy thing. Yep. And when you drink his Kool-Aid, it's good stuff. You get what I'm saying here? There's a 
everybody's out to capture somebody. And so you get to pick what you're going to put your faith in. You're going to put it in college. You're going to put it in a person. You're going to put it in yourself. You can put it in a system. You're going to put it in a system, exactly. Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, you so eloquently brought this up on numerous occasions about what a record we have in in our Bible. Uh-huh. Or the historical events, or the yep. precedents, or the history yep. Yep. of what uh, decisions and what routes people have decided and what became with, of the choices they made, what's the fruition of, of their picking, of the route they choose. And so... Uh, I guess I was just thinking, I heard somebody say, oh, they drink Trump's Kool-Aid. You know, I was just thinking, you know, they always say these phrases, and sometimes they're not as bad as they sound. Uh, If you think about them in different ways. Uh, You remember the word the pastor used, cognitive dissonance. Mm, Yep. When we hear a truth and we've always believed the other way uh, and it, it just sort of neutralizes us for a minute. Can it be? And I don't think we've learned all the truths there is to learn. So uh, that was my thought. And that's, uh, that's where I'm at. So and I get these thoughts at early in the morning, three, four, five, two. Um, so anyway, that's all. Somebody else come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes, Jeremiah. Okay, that's good. I just wanted to make sure because I... Apparently, turning it off and back on again is a viable solution to fixing uh, the internet. I shut my computer off. Hey, say that again. Say that again. I turned my computer off and back on, and now the internet works. So I just wanted to make sure everyone could hear me. Yeah, all right. Well, um... Yeah, no, I uh, I see what you're saying, Russell. Is that we we sometimes take a phrase and and uh, the phrase itself can can actually uh, have different connotations than the one that we've uh, we've used it for or that we've been uh, customarily hearing or using it for, and. Uh, I think that's uh, what we see a lot of, and the biblical record is pretty clear for sure that uh, we can we can either believe it and accept it and trust in that truth that it keeps showing us, or we can adopt all these 
different ideas and conceptions about uh, about things um, because of what we what we sometimes hear and what others have said instead of what's actually there. And I was thinking about that this week a lot. That it is interesting how how many things when you really listen how many things we can actually see that are preconceived notions and ideas that we have and they don't have a very, they don't perhaps really even have any sound biblical logic to them, let alone any any biblical um, uh, connection. You know, they're just kind of irrelevant, but yet we've believed them and even considered them as, in some respects, you know, part of our Bible. Um, so um, I thought somebody was talking there. I, I don't know. But um, all right. So. If I'm following your thoughts, then, is that um, we wash our brain with the words of the Bible. Yeah. Bible soap. I mean, think. These people don't understand us, and we don't understand them. I don't understand these nutcakes, these people in Hollywood. I don't understand why they would propagate what they do. It's not in my world. It's not in my... Other than the fact that they're they're my enemy. They want me dead. Certainly, they are not in favor of Christians existing. And here's another thought that came to me. You hear all this blah, blah about Trump's presidential order about banning people. Right. Can you imagine if Christians had done all this over Obama's gay marriage thing? His edict out of which completely told the states, you have no say in this matter. Now, which one of these issues do you think is the most important? Bag marrying or banning six nutcase nations from coming in here or at least vetting them. See, they got me using the same language. Yeah. Uh, what? Can you imagine if Trump, what a hero he would sound like if he just came out tomorrow and, and did a presidential order and said, we're going to uh, leave it up to the state from this gay marriage thing. I mean, that affects us when you've got pedophiles, um, disease breeders, and in general, just destructive behavior for our society. That's a real thing. Uh, Whether or not you vet somebody from Syria, it's not even in the same ballpark. 
But I'm saying the hypocrisy they gave Trump versus Obama on all of his many edicts. There's not a judge out there that would have ruled against Obama. But excuse me. Did it? Didn't it go to the Supreme Court? That lost the connection on the phone, so he's now so he's going to try to get back on. Okay, Jeremiah. Is there anybody else connected? Yeah, I'm connected. I just wondered if I blew the whole thing up. <laughs> have you noticed? Have you noticed the the comparison between the two? Well, they're opposites as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> they're what? They're opposite. Mm, yeah. You comparing Obama to Trump? Well, the way they're treating. Sure. His, his presidential directives. I actually would expect nothing different, honestly. Yeah. Because of the people that run the media and run the news and run, I mean, they're in bed with Obama or uh, yeah, Obama, and it's uh, they're on the same team, and it's, Trump's got a new team, and it's uh, it is a popular team. It's people like you and I that think the way we do. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, there's a lot of other folks that don't feel that way, and I think that's what our brain did. That's the way they're trying to tell us he's on a different team, aren't they? I am back, too. You know, I was starting to say, and you were still talking, Russell, is that everybody hear me now? Yeah. Yes. I was thinking, you know, what one of the things we talked about a few weeks back is that um, this – yeah, it's not about these these different groups and stuff. It really is that this way of life that we had in in Christian America, um, that's that's what it, it, if the vast majority of people could get their head around the idea that that's what this is about. That this is yeah. the desire to change that way of life. Now, as you recall, that's what Christianity used to be called, was the way. And Christ was teaching us a way of life, which is a way of righteousness. It is a way of life that he has ordained from the very beginning, the foundations of the earth. But men love to pervert that. And so that's the that's the first thing that would, would go a long way. And I was thinking about something else as I was looking at some demographics the other day on the computer. Um, we did a, you know, periodically did some solutions broadcasts about demographics. And, and it, yeah, and, and, and the demographics, as you see from this last election, are demographics that show that, 85% of the country voted for this particular individual to make a difference, to make a change. So the country is still voting for the vast majority of them, um, but they will have you believe, and again, this is, goes to your issue of propaganda and drinking the Kool-Aid, 
they would have you believe that that number is, you know, is significant in that, you know, obviously the popular vote, you know, voted more the other, the other, you know, for the other candidate. But when you look at the country as a whole, you can only see these small little pockets of where those, you know, those 40 million people are. And it's a, it's an entirely different uh, understanding of the demographics when you see that 85% of the the country um, n- believes and knows that a significant change needs to be taking place, and believes in in the things that we need to secure those way of, that way of life, and um, this this other portion of people, uh, as large as it may be, it is small and insignificant when you look at the overall lay of the land. But you would never get anybody, you know, out there in a, you know, in the in the scribe and Pharisee uh, part of of our land to, you know, really conclusively lay that case out. Uh, to the people because it's not popular and it doesn't fit the narrative and the agenda. So, yeah, but it is, it is striking and it is true. It's the reality. It's the figures. Well, let's think about this. Who was it that said, come out from amongst them and be holy? Amen. Okay. I think we could, I mean, who do we give credit for saying that to? I think um, God. Yes, yeah. And I was just going to say, I think I just, uh, um, yeah, Revelation 18.4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. No. Now, how do we put that into practice? Uh, well, you know that he's. We stick to our guns, and you just said that last part about plagues. Uh, we were talking to lunch today with some friends. It's like everybody's got got or had cancer. The process yeah. of getting treated nowadays. Yeah, uh, wouldn't you say that's a plague? You know, it is. Um, that takes us right back to Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight uh-huh. and the curses. Uh-huh. And I was writing about that in a message <clears throat> in. Uh, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, we find that God, I'm just flipping over there real quick, um, God had the men, um, see if I can find it real quick, um, well, the reason I brought it up is because this is what question our children are asking themselves. What husbands and wives are saying, you know, how do we 
how do we be separate and then still live right in the midst of this mess? And I think we just stick to our guns. Yeah, yeah, and you don't mean, yeah, you don't mean literal guns, you mean... No, we stay the course. Right. We fight, fight, we run the race, and we tell ourselves that we did the best we could do for for our king. So, uh, did you find it? I'm still looking for it here. Um, I'm going to go to my notes real quick. Go ahead, though. Well... It's uh it's Feb it's February eighth here in West Texas, February seventh. And either today or yesterday it was eighty degrees. And I just happened to be outside and the kids brought it to my attention that the peaches were already in bloom. Monday it's gonna be fifty three. Now, nature does this to to these imports plants and trees, but it's really kind of phenomenal what kind of weather we've been having the last last week. What cold come Monday? Yeah. Uh, well, we don't know. All, all, all the reason I brought it up is I was just thinking God's helped us out a lot with the weather. We haven't had to experience a tornado or an earthquake. And I thank him for that. Amen. Or a hard winter. You know, you've been through a hard winter before, haven't you, Doug? Well, you know, um, I, I just, again, I have to thank God and praise God that it hasn't been, a, you know, that I haven't experienced a real hard winter. But, um, yeah, we've had some some significant cold spells. But, you know, I know that there have been some periods of cold spells uh, that have lasted longer. I mean, I think a few years ago we had a, a cold spell that was, we were, I want to say something like, 13 or 14 or 16 days that it was below zero or wow. that there was a that there was a below zero temperature you know uh, we may have got itself. yeah you know we may have got above the zero mark but um you know we fell below that that and so that's cold but can you imagine a cold spell where we spend you know two three four and five weeks in a yeah you know, in a cold spell that's, that's you know, zero and below, if you will. And so I just, I thank God that we haven't had to experience one of those. Um, but, you know, the the, the earth has got those cycles and, um, you know, they will eventually come back around. And, and you know, I was just going to bring this up that in these times, such as a cold spell, or in my case, a flu turned into pneumonia. In others' case, different circumstances. You really start to think 
don't you? When you get in these situations where it's uh, it's not good, then you turn to God. And I mean, you really turn to God. Uh, if it was under twenty, if it was under zero here for two or three weeks, yeah. Wow, with the it would change the way we operate. Yeah, it would. It would. And let me say this. I've got to say that, that that sickness I went through was very beneficial to me because it forced me, forced me to be laying in a bed into where I could just think about godly things for long periods of time during the day. Mm-hmm. Where otherwise I would have been at work and concerned about some silly thing called making your monthly payables. Yeah. But God spoke to me very clearly when I was sick. And uh, one thing I learned was <laughs> to thank Him for good health. And so, like I said, it, for other people it may be other things, but he knows how to get your attention if you're one of his. And we'd rather not have to learn it that way if we could avoid it. And Amen. Uh, I was informed by my kids that I misspoke last week that... Uh, the whole kryptonite thing, I had it backwards. It was detrimental to Superman. I, I'm i not really into the superheroes. I always thought... <laughs> I got it right, I got it right with uh, Popeye. <laughs> but now I was into Popeye. When old Grandpa started shoving him around, he'd pop that spinach and open up the can. And... Yeah. Um, And, of course, you know what I was talking about, our source. Right. Yeah, our source of power. uh And we could train ourselves, train ourselves. An adversary hits, the enemy comes, immediately turn to God. You know, uh, for whatever reason... I've seen it time and time and time again. Uh, you want to call 911, you want to get a doctor. You, you want to do everything but stop and say, God, help me. Show me what to do. Yeah. And don't you believe and, that matters? Well, yeah, it does matter. And again, oftentimes we have to recognize when we're honest with our own selves is that it that's that's the fault. The fault is is that is that we haven't been calling on him lately, and we haven't been given praises and glory. And so then we sit there and we say, you know, now help me, Lord. Where are you? You know, and yeah, and and God's kind of saying, well, well, where have you been? Mm-hmm. Um, 
the thing I was going to get at in, in Deuteronomy, I, I kept thinking it was earlier in the chapter. That's why I couldn't find it, but it's actually Deuteronomy 27. And I don't know why I didn't realize and recognize that it was that close to, to obviously the blessing and curses because it would be. But God had these six sons stand on Mount Gerizim to, to bless the people. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And he had these stand on Ebal to pronounce the curses. Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. Can, can and, you hold this for a sec, Doug? Sure. I want to interject. That I don't know about you or anybody else that's listening. But I, I always consider curses a a thing witches do, people curse, in sort of like a negative sense. But the word, if you put it in this frame of your mind and you say, you know, you're talking about God's curses for the Israelites. There is a relationship between curse and cause. Yes. And what, what God was saying is, if you don't do this, this will happen. And it, cause it and turned, effect. Uh-huh. And it turned into the word curse, I guess, over time. But it's a result of a cause and effect. And so mm-hmm. even in all of that, God made the universe, he set the rules, he did the physics, and he knows what he's talking about. And and so when he said, don't, don't do this, the sodomy stuff, he's trying to protect these people. And then and he, that, sees, he and sees that's, promoting it. Yeah. Can you imagine how, how the abomination comes on to the Lord, which is the stench of flatulence or feces, it stinks. Yeah, and you know, that's spiritual. Think about that. And Pastor Peters, when he was talking about things about frequency there toward the end of his ministry, um, that's, that's, to me, I look at that very clearly as being spiritual it's it's tied it's tied um maybe i don't know the proper term but i was going to say uh through physiology or it's tied through you know i don't know i guess which proper science i should use there maybe james will know but but in other words like you said cause and effect it these are the natural outpourings or the natural outcroppings of that cause and effect. When you mm-hmm. when you violate the divine immutable order, then these are the natural uh, things that come out. So we find what we have in our nation is not a nation of order, but now we're right in the midst of a nation in disorder. Even though 85% of the land mass occupied by God's people here uh, disagree with the, the, the route that we're on and feel we need to get back on a different route. Well, as long as you have this percentage of 
the curse, if you will, or the the effect mm-hmm. um, present in the land, um, how are you going to overcome that obstacle? And that's what our God has been telling us from the get-go, is that when you do this, this is what will come upon you. This is what will happen. Um, back, do you remember being in Colorado at the camps? Uh, it's like for a brief period in time, we were in another world. And I say this meaning we weren't concerned about locking where we were sleeping or leaving stuff out. Right. And the spirit of most of the camps I was at was, it was unique and it was wonderful because you didn't feel afraid of the booger man. Yeah. And you were, you, you weren't afraid because you were with your people. Exactly. And we were all trying to live correctly for the most part, it was working. I don't remember any big horrible things. I just know when we came home and we changed to our Sunday go to meeting stuff, uh, I had cameras, I had things, and we just left them on the bed or whatever. And I think Zant had been there before, and he just said, "This people don't steal here, Dad. This is... This is, yeah, uh, one year the boys slept one place and the girls slept another. And Anyway, I just brought it up as a microcosm of what it, it perhaps it was when our forefathers came. Uh, they were more worried about getting plants growing, I'm sure, than stealing and and doing a lot of evil stuff. And they were all of one accord, I think, the ones that came over on the Mayfire. You think about what that would entail, floating across an ocean with women and children. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, I was just, I have pleasant memories of some of the Reminiscing. Camps. Yeah. Reminiscing. Very different well, than where, where we are now. We... We lock the house, we lock the front, we lock the back. We know anybody can get in. And we just, uh, we've got a Wayne Maynard sign printed out there. It's patrolled by angels. And we just walk, we, we're in faith, but we know that uh, we're not out of this world. We're right in the middle of it. Yeah. Well, and and that's what he's telling us is that uh, it, you need to come out and be separate to, uh, from from this this system which consumes and and is is ultimately destructive. And uh, the thing I find interesting there about that Mount Gerizim and Ebal is that the six sons that were born of of natural unions um, are the ones on the blessing side and the six sons that were born of unnatural union 
by the bondwomen, if you will, um, are on the curses side. Now, I don't know if that, you know, was done by God for a reason, um, but what I've always considered this was God publicizing in front of his people. It's like if if somebody leaves a, a car on your property and they abandon it, basically, you have to do certain things to to publicly make your claim. So you have to publish it, they say. You have to publish it in a newspaper that you have a claim or staking your claim on that, whether it was a land, a car, or anything else. And then you go before the the judgment seat, if you will. And you say, I have a claim to this. And the adjudicator says, well, let me see. What is your claim? Well, I claim that I own it because it was abandoned on my property. Um, or I claim that I own it because there was a payment due me and the payments weren't made. Well, bring me, bring me your evidence of that. And if I show him a publication and says that I, I published it and I published it in the state of New Jersey and the property is in the state of, of California, um, he's going to look at me over those glasses and say, um, well, this doesn't, doesn't qualify as a publication because the land and the car are both in Wisconsin. You know, and yeah. uh, so so that may not be the best analogy, but I look at it as a public a publication. I look at it as publicizing. They were claiming their right, if you will, to a bless, a blessing, or they were claiming their right to a curse. Yeah. And see, just like you were saying, it depends on how you look at it. Well, I look at it and say, you know, whether you like it or not, you were claiming your right to a curse when you decided to violate that. So you put it in a parent-child relationship, it's the same thing. You give them an instruction or a command, and they choose to do opposite of the instruction or the command. There is a violation of that instruction or command, and so they chose the curse. They selected the curse. They did not select the blessing or the benefit. They chose the other. And we are his children doing the same thing in front of him. And that's a different way of looking at it, isn't it? Yes. And uh, And and you get to live with that curse. Yeah, we get to live with it. And, And I think the biblical record shows us that that's the proper way to look at it. So when we look out here across our nation, we see all this happening and we lament it, but he told us, don't let these people do this thing. Do not let this sin permeate your land. Do not do these things and you won't have this. And so we've selected the curses. And I think that's more biblical because, um, you know, certainly God tells you that he will, in fact, do things. And he will bring, you know, example in in David's day when David sinned, you know, God sent an angel to to start smiting the camp of Israel 
And before his hand was stayed, 70,000 men were dead. Now, that was David who sinned. But David said he would rather suffer at the hand of God than he would suffer at the hand of his enemies. Because he felt and believed that God was more merciful. But the people of the land still suffered for one man's sin. Yeah. That's a concept that our people don't seem to appreciate or don't seem to recognize anymore. And now if you take that one man's sin and you multiply it into 10 and 50,000 and 100,000 and a million and, and so forth, then it isn't very long before you have so many curses upon you, you find it hard to figure out which way to go to get out from the way of one. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, another thing in David's first sin, I believe, that's recorded was he numbered Israel. Well, you had kind of mentioned this earlier, too, um, uh, about an adversary. And in the case of David, the scripture says that God was, was angry and wroth with Israel. And so he moved David to number Israel. But when he moved an adversary against David to number Israel, this is the thing that we seem to fail to want to acknowledge today is that God's, God's given a command and he expects us to adhere to that command. So when David was moved to number Israel, he had to resist that. And he didn't. He went out and ordered his general, and his general said, hey, you know, I, I'm not so sure that's a good thing to do. Uh, you know, many more be added unto you, but why would you do this thing? Uh, nonetheless, he prevailed, and then when when Joab went out to the captains, you know, the captains either said yes, sir, or they didn't, as it went down the line, those, you know, I've always wondered, did God smite the number of people because that was the number of people who didn't resist. But then I realized that couldn't be the case because Joab wasn't, wasn't smitten. So one could say, well, well what a terrible God, what an in, indiscriminate God. Um, but his command was not to number Israel. And so when Israel did get numbered, um, there was ramifications and the ramifications were national in scope. Um, as well as individual in scope, because God said the sword of war would not leave his house forever, which meant there was going to be many of the sons of Israel which were going to die in war. It's today, don't it? It does. And I think, Russell, your whole idea of, you know, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid, I mean, I think of so many things that we have been taught from some of our earliest of days by the church world 
And as we spend time in that Bible, we realize they're just not so. <laughs> That's right. And it becomes very frustrating because, you know, we've spent time relying on that information and perhaps even taught that information. We and then that we trusted it. And, uh, and then we find that, you know, the children sit there years later and think, well, everything's so mixed up, so what does it matter anymore? And this is why the church world is out there uh, basically saying, you know, what, what does it matter? What matters is that you love Jesus. Well, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's what he said. Doug didn't say it. No. But Doug repeated it. That's a good thing, Doug. Well, I as as long as he gives me breath, that's what I understand I'm supposed to do. So um I think so. So continue. Sorry I butted in. Oh no, I uh I don't know that I had any more thought on that per se, but uh maybe James has got some thoughts now that he's he's uh listen to those thoughts. What say you, Mr. James? Well, you did spark my interest on one thing. You said that we are not to sit by and let our brothers do wrong. And, um, of course, I believe that's true. And we only have so many tools at our hands to physically go do something like that. Right now, so many of our brothers in this country that we have are so confused, so lost, really don't know where to look, where to go, and they're allowing for this confusion that we have in our country because there is no organization. So what tools do you and I have at our hands to try and, and correct our brothers where they're wrong, you know, whether they believe in the abortion or not? You know, pick a subject. You know, these our young uh, youth are writing about, and, and all the things that they're they're turmoil about. Yeah, a lot of those are not ours, but a lot of them are. And they're just following their sheep. You know, they're not their sheep, but their their peers. You know, mm-hmm. I really don't. I don't have an answer for that outside of the fact that. I had a discussion with my wife yesterday morning I was talking to her, and I actually got kind of angry at things. And I can't believe uh, what's really going on in this country. It, it's so upside down, so messed up. It's going to take a while, if it will ever get turned around. You know, the number one thing that I have a question about that makes no sense to me is why all of these uh, rioters, looters, people that are that are, you know, protesting violently, why they haven't been rounded up and arrested. No, it's got nothing to do with the First Amendment. Uh, you know, if you want to look at those those laws that we have right now, and those laws we have to obey, as long as they don't come in conflict with God's laws. That's the way I look at it anyway. So, But they are. They're committing crimes, you know. And, and why do the police just 
try to keep them fenced in and let them do what they got to do. They should be rounded up and arrested and prosecuted. And I think they're, they're, they're all in it. I think they're all in on it together. Police do what they're told, just like soldiers. Well, I, I understand that, but there, there has to be some level of authority somewhere to step in and say, you know, wait a minute, this is wrong. I mean, I don't get it. Of course, the second thing that I that I was upset about, and I've been upset about, is this uh, immigration thing. You know, I. I'm living on on a fixed income. It's my Social Security. And my wife isn't of age yet. Actually, I'm not either. But she, anyway, they, they're, they're screwing our Social Security system up so bad by giving our money to all these entitled people, you know, whether it be refugees coming over and, and being taken care of, and, and they, they disperse our money. And I don't get asked if it's okay with me. I worked my whole life. I worked over 40 years. Uh, paying into Social Security, and now I'm getting my benefits back, and it's what I'm living on, frankly. And yet now we're being told that we have to work longer uh, in order to get to those benefits, and, and if you don't, then they're reduced benefits. And that's a, just a, a, a lie. It's a mask because they have spent the money. They've given it away to only God knows who they gave it to, but yet we well, are the ones to pay for it. Funny that you bring that up, James, because Cindy and I were walking this morning and we had had somebody that we knew that was a drug addict and the state got her on methadone. And the state means that we are paying for her methadone treatment and we didn't do anything to promote it or encourage it and she laughs about it because she gets the methadone treatment free in the morning then she doubles down later in the day and she said she gets an even bigger high and then she's uh, publicly I mean she's permanently disabled so she gets checked all of this comes out of somebody that's working and I thought how would you uh how would you remedy? How would I remedy this if I was a president? And I was thinking, you know, maybe I'd just sell them all over to Cuba. And let how to put them to work? All the welfare recipients—they didn't do anything for that money. They need to be put to work. You realize because how much it, money the government would save if they would just put them to work? You know, they, they, they talk put about them they want to work. This wall. They're going to have to dry out, aren't they? They can't make heroin out of thin air. That'd be fine. Yeah. I, I, you know, my wife's a nurse. She deals with methadone babies all the time, or um, uh, drug addicted babies all the time. Mm-hmm. And you're right. They take off of, off of one kind of a drug and they give them another kind of drug to get them off of that. Well, that's just as addicting as the other. Yeah. Throw them in a cell, feed them give them good, a good place to be, and let them work their way through it. And we're, we're actually paying to have a lot of these criminals educated while they're in incarceration. But my point yeah. is, they got to get this money from people that are doing something. Yeah, yeah, they don't have any money. 
No, the government doesn't produce anything. It uses and this this is as Doug so beautifully illustrated is a cause and an effect. And we get to see the cause firsthand, don't we, James? Yeah. We gotta pay for it. Yeah. So I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't what do you do? Right? In, but we talked about it this morning in our our walk. It's a, it's enough to make you make you angry, and it did. I was I was actually I got myself in a little cluster, you know. And <laughs> I just was no. <laughs> well, it's um, you know I mean we we talk about this I think because this law of God is on our hearts, and it's a natural affection that we have, which is to say, hey. Um, there are things which aren't right in this co- equation. We have we have mercy, we have love for our people, um, and we're willing to help those that cannot help themselves. But what it has has turned into is that that you guys know our government has become the god. It has become the provider, the supplier. Uh, the creator, if you will, the the all-knowing, the all-sensible, the all-everything. And so, uh, James, you're exactly right. I, I said at the time that, you know, it was being proposed to build a wall. Now, this goes back to George Bush W. Um, that's when that legislation was actually signed that built the first 300 feet of it or whatever it was, stupid number there. And, uh, and, and I'm sitting here... No, I don't need a wall. I need an enforcement of law. Uh-huh. And uh, law is is what James is talking about. And so, again, our people don't know how to even articulate the basic fundamentals of law. And from God's word, he says, you know, there is one law for the stranger and the homeborn. And you don't have different laws. Well, we have laws of immigration here which are different for the homeborn that are different for the stranger coming from abroad. Uh, If he commits a crime, he's supposed to be dealt, you know, appropriately in that crime. We're not implementing God's laws with regards to crime. I mean, if you think about it, God's law requires one to four times restitution. Um, we have no mercy for pedophiles. We have no mercy for sodomites. We have no uh, mercy for murderers. Um, we have a remedy for determining uh, very, very succinctly whether a murderer is a murderer or not, not just the mouth of two witnesses. We have other things in in the Word of God that when we study them out, we're able to determine that there are precedents in law that are in the the statutes so that we can determine uh, in the event that we don't have an actual uh, two or three witnesses or we don't have other evidentiary 
things in which to convict, um, then we're supposed to go and and make this uh, known that in our city or in our community, we do not know who this blood was shed by. And that's where we are standing before God saying, reveal the shedder of blood. And I can guarantee you, and as we all know from the secular record, uh, someone who commits murder will commit again. But we have a remedy in his law to absolve our city or our community from the blood that was shed. Um, so, I mean, we know these things and we we lament because they're not being carried out. So your question, uh, James, is, you know, what do we do to reach? Um, this is our our quintessential problem, and it has been because of what Russell started out with, propaganda and drinking the Kool-Aid. And our people have for so long been told all these other things and spoken all these other doctrines, and I'm not just talking about ecclesiastical doctrines, I'm talking about civil administrative doctrines, to where we're so filled with this false doctrine, and, you know, it's like you said, my social security is, is mine. I paid it in, and I should be able to get back what I have when I need it now. I shouldn't have to have it cut and toyed with and tinkered with uh, so that I potentially might not even get it before I die. Um, that's that's wrong. Um but we have to articulate these things to the people in a way that they understand how the natural laws of God are being violated. That's a crime, what's happening with Social Security being taken from an individual. How about this? When, when you die, yeah. the, money, the money that you paid in does not go to your surviving spouse unless her Social Security is less than yours, then yours would go to her. But otherwise, it's just lost. It's just, you know, gone. Well, it's given to somebody else. That's the thing. How many people die before they reach 65 years old? What of that? Well, that just gets melted back into the system. You know, we did a solutions broadcast one time on that, and and the interesting thing that I didn't realize was that that Social Security when it was adopted and the age of 65 was utilized, they already knew that the average lifespan of a man was age 65. So if you're, yeah. really on, if you're honest with yourself, you realize that they implemented a program and the people, the people drank the Kool-Aid without even contemplating the fact that people only lived to the age of 65 at the time, and many of them would never receive a penny from it. You talk about pulling the wool over people's eyes. You talk about thieving. You, this is God's word. God says, if you oppress the widow and you oppress the fatherless, what does that word mean? You steal from them. Yeah. You ignore them. You deny them the just due of their station. Um, you defile the order of God. And so, James, all you can do is keep the prayers on. 
that God's people will continue to know. And, you know, I dare say, you know, we have so many opportunities available to us out here to do these things like we're doing with this fellowship. And I realize that there's more that I would like to do, but, you know, I lack the money to just say, okay, um, this work I cease and I do this thing here. Um, You know, I say I I lack the money. Uh, I realize that I have to stop working, which means then... um, there's not income to cover different kinds of expenses and so forth, so somehow I have to generate income to do that. But, again, it's one of these things that you just get overwhelmed because it's like how many reinvented wheels of the Internet, uh, you know, uh, blog site or the Internet, you know, uh, uh, ministry or anything else do we need? And it is because these ones who love to destroy our way, who stand as adversaries against us, whether they are by God or whether they are just flat-out evil and wicked themselves, it doesn't matter. What matters is they're gaining the ground that we're not supposed to let them have, and if they can keep us sinning, They've got the upper ground. Amen. It's Amen. You're right. So it's frustrating and exasperating at times, and it's just, I just always remember Gideon. You know, Gideon was in a similar situation where these Midianites would come and ravish the harvest, and, you know, he was trying to get ahead of the game, and... uh cried out unto the Lord and said, where are all the miracles? And, um, you know, we're crying out, I know that. And, um, you know, all of these things, it's just like our former ministry, you know. Well, let's face it, we're missing something. Well, the only thing that I can see biblically that we're missing is obedience. Uh, It's not... It, it's not that we're not praying enough. It's not that we're not praying loud enough. It's not that we're not um, covering our heads properly. It's it's not any of that, as I can see. It's obedience. And obedience stops the curses, according to what Russell just said, cause and effect. And when you, when you, when you start talking about obedience and you actually start expecting obedience, that's when all your troubles begin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and not not one major ministry in America is putting that message out. And they're putting out the exact opposite. Uh, do your thing. It's all covered in the contract. Yeah, and we had 75 years on the North American continent of our church leaders and elders telling us that this wasn't our world. We're just passing through. You know, this is spiritual. You you need to understand this is, you know, so we're escaping out of here spiritually in our mind, and physically we're all still in in this creation of God's trying to figure out, well, what's going on? What's happening? 
And then people started reading their Bible again and said, well, well wait a minute. These are, these are physical lessons that we're seeing here. These are physical aspects, you know. Um, it's like the statement, the convoluted statement, well, I'm not going to fight you in the, in the physical. I'm going to fight you in the spiritual. Well, it, it sounds good, and it gives this impression that you haven't arrived where this person has, and so therefore, um, you know, maybe when you arrive at that point, you'll be able to fight, you know, spiritually uh, better, and you'll have a winning God too. And as it is right now, you just serve a loser, a loser God, you know, because you're not spiritual. Well, I don't know how you can have the spirit if you're not in obedience. If you can, somebody can explain that to me, uh, I, that, that just clearly escapes me. Well, I don't know how you can be in the spiritual and overcome uh, somebody that wants you dead. Are you going to... I don't know if you're familiar with Quakers, but apparently that's what they believe. You just stand there and take it. You learn to enjoy it. Doesn't sound like a good plan. Well, you, what, what I was to get at is you can't do anything if you're dead. Yeah. Well, the biblical principle is take dominion. That's the command from the very beginning. Yeah, and so what does that entail? That entails uh, some offensive maneuvers here. Exactly. And that goes right back to preconceived ideas and notions and so forth. The kingdom message here from God from the beginning to the end is is he looked out over this creation and he the you know, mankind being made in his image um is has all of the sensibilities, all of the the faculties of of our creator. Um can experience great love, can experience great pain, can experience desires of flesh, can experience desires of sin, you know, and and our God knows these things and expected that we could get a handle on our our creative being here. Well, it hasn't happened. So God implements a plan and in fact commissions the people to carry out and bring about so that we would actually be able to see and acknowledge that, number one, we, we obviously have a creator and that creator obviously is, is anticipating and expecting a, 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 will, a, a way of life or a building of a way of life that leads to life. So that's what he did and set in motion to work with a, a, a man to be that light, to be that beacon to the whole world. And Jacob Israel has been that light and has been that beacon. But they have so routinely 
allowed themselves to relax, whether these are all adversaries of God brought upon us um, to test us, which he told us he would do. Um, And let's face it, we've watched these individuals continue to direct us into the paths of sin and away from his will and his way, and it is leading to our destruction. It's to me, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's, it's incredibly easy to understand, but we want to reject it somehow because we, I guess, can't believe that God would find it necessary to do that. I look at a parent-child relationship all the time. If you have a familial situation, you've got five or six children, and Russell, of course, you know of this, and oh, James, yeah. you, you know, so you have children in the household, and you have, you know that there's things that you need to do in order to make this family unit work and be successful at staying alive, if you will. Well, our God is no different in that respect, he's, he's looking at us and saying, this is my creation. I've got to get them to see, know, understand, and comprehend the, the, the divine ordinance, if you will, the divine order of things, and that's what you do as a parent. This is the divine order of the household. Well, Dad, why do you always cut the roast off the, you know, the end off the roast, like Pastor told us? Well, I don't know because Grandma did it. Well, I don't know because Grandpa did it. Well, at the end of the day, when you finally get to Grandpa, well, we've always done it this way. Well, you know, my pan was too small. That's why I cut the ends off. Well, now you have an answer to something that makes perfect sense. In the meantime, you're trying to do something just because somebody else was doing it. But in your family unit, you know what works. And you know when somebody is stepping outside of what works, how it affects the family and how it sets the course, you know, or alters it. And um, our God is showing us the same thing. If you abide in this general plan, you have the access to the life. And by believing in that and trusting in that and anticipating and understanding the depth of that, I will, again, provide you that access to reclaim that life that I wanted you to always have to be in fellowship with me forever. And, you know, that's kind of a little nutshell, I guess, of of what I'm trying to convey that the biblical record is. And uh, I don't know why it always has to be turned into and twisted into something that really defies reality and defies our basic understandings and instincts. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, you've got to make it more complicated, Doug. (laughs) I probably did make it more complicated because I was talking. <laughs> now that's your problem. You got to quit being so simple. I hear James is awful quiet, so I must have him completely perplexed. 
Well, honestly, I, I mute and unmute my phone because I don't want my, uh, I don't know if it's my phone or my headpiece or whatever. So sometimes I miss a comment because I'm still muted. I'm talking away and I'm talking to nobody, <laughs> myself. Yeah. Well, those are the things that I, I see, you know, as you step back and try to look at the big picture. And that's what I always try to do is just kind of draw back and and, and look at the big picture. And, James, the answer to your question is, is not an easy one because it's the question that's been wrestled with for man, for millennials. And the answer is in the way, the way of life. Can you imagine, James, if we were to punish, first of all, there is no prison system in God's God's law system. So we have to look at that every one of these people, now, by the way, your your constitution has a provision that states that there is no involuntary servitude. So God's law says that if you can't repay the person you stole from or the person that you have a liability toward, uh, if you can't repay that, then you have to go into service for that individual. So how many of these Mexicans would go home if they had to go and do labor in your backyard for free? I think I that they went home. I got the answer to that one. Huh? I got the answer to that one. Very, very few. Very, very few would go home? Would come work for me. For free, right. For, for to pay up their debts. Right. See, I think what would happen is they'd start migrating back across the border because uh, if I'm going to work for free because of what I've done, I don't like these people's laws, so I will go back into my homeland and I will just work among my people and, uh, you know, I have a a different standard of living or whatever. Uh, So, in other words, involuntary servitude serves a purpose. It's a deterrent. But we we can't try what's a deterrent because the psychologists and the the teachers and all have, have have conditioned our people to believe. And I, and I truly believe this is really the answer, James, is our ability to articulate the law that is actually on our people's hearts, but they don't understand the weightier matters of it. Not because I want to bring people into bondage of the law. I want them to understand God's system of law not that they're insuring certain bondage or that by keeping of law, they become, uh, uh, they have access to salvation and, and access that eternal life that God is telling us about and showing us that he, he would desire for us to have with him. So um, that right there, first of all, look at all the money we would save by eliminating the prisons. That's both federal and state. So there's all that money that would be saved. Then we look at, uh, since there is no, uh, look at all the crime that we would stop. So how many less police officers would be necessary? 
how many less uh, judicial individuals and lawyers would we need as a result of of that? Um, I mean, these things begin to compound in nature, and it's because we really don't understand we have a better law model or a better law system than we actually do in the world. And God's law regarding the giving of the first tenth for the civil administrative functions, um, that law in and of itself um, would do tremendous. God's law does not allow for uh, uh, corporate entities. Uh, rather, it would be limited partnership entities where Russell and James and Doug are all equally responsible for activities of their company and damages or other things that they could uh, could cause to other people. Uh, insurance is totally unbiblical and takes away, um, you know, the monetary system. So all of these things would have a huge and tremendous impact about our whole lives. And until these messages of God's divine immutable laws and the, you know, the scripture says that the law of God is perfect. And it is perfect. And this is why he gave it to us, so that we could learn and know how perfect it is and we could access. And it's, so, uh, you know, as I say, I we had a conversation here a few weeks ago and I raised the question, I said, do you have a Fifth Amendment right not to be a witness against yourself? And what did we hear, Russell? Uh, we heard... Uh, we heard that we do. Yeah. <laughs> we heard. And, okay, but the truth of the matter is, in God's Word, we don't. Because yeah. he commands he commands the sinner to come forward. Yeah. See, I knew you were setting me up. And I, I was very cautious, wasn't I? See, I, I can take that Constitution and I can go through it one by one and we can lay out the scriptures that show that the Constitution was our nemesis. It was the thing that turned us from a Christian people who was good or a nation which was good. De Tocqueville said, when America ceases to be good, it will cease to be great. And it was because these were the, the, the things that we did before we had a constitution. Once we had a constitution, everything began to unravel. We now serve a new God which is why I created that Pledge of Allegiance to our God, because it should not be a Pledge of Allegiance to this country, nor should it be a Pledge of Allegiance to a Constitution. It should be a Pledge of Allegiance to our God and his way of life, his law. Stop, Doug, stop. I'm still waiting for a T-shirt myself. <laughs> I, you know, that, Russell, is, Russell I know is so busy... <laughs> Russell is on a three-year backlog, James. He has so much money, it's pouring out of his ears. 
Amen. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I'll, I know. I'll tell you, Doug, Doug, let me say this. Okay. What you just said, do you realize 95% of the people in this country would tell you to love it or leave it with a statement like that? They don't even understand the basics. <laughs> The very basics of freedom. They just sit there and sing that idiotic song where at least I know I'm free. Do you really know that, partner? Of course you're not free. Don't pay your property taxes and see what happens. Drive without a license and see what happens. Take your gun somewhere without a permit. Yeah, we're free. Yeah, we're free as can be. But only Greenwood, I imagine, that made his whole career that one song. Yeah. At least he knows that, that we're free. I mean, that's the very minimum. After all said and done, at least he knows he's free. Well, gentlemen, I know that it's, uh, you know, getting 10, 10 o'clock on, on James Coast, and uh, I don't want to uh, make it so that you guys get belabored of this. I'd like to keep it short enough that it becomes doable and, and everything. So I'm uh, I'm willing to allow exit at this time as, uh, as uh, you guys see fit, of course. And uh, I've enjoyed the, the fellowship, and if we want to continue. Betty, we didn't get to hear much from you at all tonight, and I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean to keep you out. How you doing? You're, you're still hanging in there, though? Uh, hanging in. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I was supposed to have a chiropractic, not a chiropractic, a uh, pot- a diatrist uh, appointment today. Yeah. And it's in a big hospital complex. Yeah. And they only give the uh, 911 address. They don't say where the doctor is. Oh. And I had to drive around for a little bit to try to find it and finally got on the phone yeah. uh, to ask them where they are. Yeah. Then I go in and fill out all these forms and pay the fee up front. And then I'm told that the doctor won't see me because I was 20 minutes late. Yep. Oh. <laughs> yep. And now. God rescheduled me for Thursday, so i got to go through the routine again. Oh, boy. Well, so we... You're pretty sure that it's not broken, but it's still a lot of pain, is it? I know uh, compared to when I broke my right ankle, compared to that, I know it's not broken. Okay. But it's incredibly painful. Yeah. So uh, that's all I can say for that. And I figure what have I got to do is I need some kind of painkiller stronger than um, acetaminophen because yeah. that, that hardly makes a dent. Uh, it, it lightens it up enough that I can sleep, yeah. but still not comfortably. So, anyway. Well, 
we will we'll keep we'll keep that in prayer and we'll definitely keep your trip on Thursday in prayer and and um we will uh certainly be counting on you know some relief for, for you on this uh, as well and and I just pray that you'll get a good uh, a good diagnosis as to what happened there um, well the solution for the pain is yeah. to, that's what I need because I can't even think straight you know when you're in pain like that yeah con- or concentrate on anything yeah Yeah. So anyway, I, that's that's where I'm at, and uh, thank God for Jan. She helped me today to navigate around town. Yeah. And get get some some things that I needed to get. I got a uh, I got to buy bottled water because the the water here is not toxic in any way, shape, or form. But it's so mineralized, it tastes awful. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I buy deionized water. Sure, sure. You know, in town and uh, for cooking and and distilled water for drinking. So and it, and then it takes uh, a little time to unload those gallons water when I get home, so she volunteered to follow me. Well, we had lunch in town, and then she followed me home to unload. Sure, yeah. Which is, and that's a, that was a true blessing. So anyway, I'm unwinding, <laughs> and I have to go back Thursday and hope it's a better day. I'm not saying this was a bad day. It's just I've had better days, <laughs> put it that way. Yeah. Uh, there's always... Huh? Well, I certainly hear that, and, and sorry to hear that, and we'll keep that in prayer and ask here. Uh, we'll uh, try to have uh, anything else anybody has, and we'll close up with some closing prayer and uh, any other... Any other things you want to bring up, you guys, or? Um, I'm done. Okay. All right. Well, um, I'll go ahead and start. If anybody's got anything to offer and add to it, they can. Heavenly Father, I do thank you again for this opportunity to meet with these brothers and sisters in Christ, and I do thank you for that. It's a a joy and a blessing, and it it fills my heart with the love that, that you've asked us to have for each other, Lord. Father, we know Betty needs uh, continued support and help and healing of that that leg that that got injured when she fell. And Lord, we just pray that it's not injured or anything, and that it will indeed uh, uh, be on the mend. Lord, we ask it in the blessed holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just continue to put all the needs of your saints before you. And we say thank you, Jesus, for bearing those burdens for us, taking away those infirmities. We ask it, we count firmly upon it, Lord, and we pray for your your healing hand upon Betty, and we pray, Lord, for her relief in this pain as she gets ready to see 
the uh, physician in her area. Lord, she's been calling on you. I know, Lord. She hasn't gone to the physician first. She's endured this now almost two weeks. And so, Lord, uh, we are we are needful to get a diagnosis, perhaps, of what actually is happening and how to relieve that pain. And from there, Lord, um, we are putting most of that in your hands and asking for your continued blessing on her health in that regard. She would not want to have to go to a physician, but we know that you've given us those as well to show us things that we cannot see, and they've been training and studying for some of that. We know, Lord, that some of them are completely uh, completely uh, acting as if they are a God in their own minds and in their own ways. And we know the system has been corrupted and polluted, and, and it's not somewhere that we want to go first, Lord. So we know it's not a comfortable thing for Betty to have to do, and and we know that she wants to stay away from it, but she knows she's got something going on, and we need to get an understanding of it. So, Father, that's our prayer. We pray for that protection and seek it from you each day. I thank you for all of it. In the blessed holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask it to stand firmly upon it. Amen. Amen. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Yeah, good, good night, night James and Russell, King family. Good night. Good night. All right, good night. good night, and we'll catch up with you this week then. I'll uh, see you about talking to you after you get back Thursday in the evening. How's that sound? Sounds good. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for the prayers. You bet. And I'll try to call you Thursday, you know, when you get home in the evening then, Betty. Okay. Sound good. All right. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys all later. Good night now. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.